the night before Wednesday night, my very good friend was a trauma ER nurse. And I called her and I said, listen, I ain't right. Something's not right. I kept kind of passing in and out, like little sudden in and outs. And I'm like, I don't feel right. I think if I had looked at myself, because my husband said my left eye was droopy and my left side was droopy, I'm wondering if I had looked at myself the next morning, would I have stopped and woke him up in the bed rather than going on into the kitchen to fix my morning coffee for work? When I was in the Montgomery Hospital, when I had the stroke, that was a week and a half, I couldn't move my arms, I couldn't walk without assistance. I was swirly headed, I had no balance. When I got to Spain in Birmingham, it's called the Spain Rehabilitation Clinic, When I got there, they had me walk in within two days. The doctor, when they said, Karen, you're gonna come through this. Karen, every day gets better. Karen, hopefully you'll walk again. Karen, every day gets better, just trust us. I did not believe them. So if they're telling you that, believe them. It's gonna get better, it does. Hello, this is Stroke Stories, and I'm Mark Goodyear. In America, the state of Alabama has the second highest incidence of stroke in the country, with an average of just under 5% of its population being diagnosed every year. Alabama also has one of the most advanced rehab centers in the U.S. called Spain, where outpatients receive intense physiotherapy treatment for movement and speech. Although access to these sorts of facilities is getting better, stroke survivors often find it difficult to find all the resources they need to help them while they recover. So we started Stroke Stories, the podcast, to seek out and to hear from stroke survivors. In this episode, we'll hear from Karen Bragg from Grady, Alabama, who suffered a stroke at the age of 39. For me, I was very active. I did boot camp daily. I worked out daily. I was overweight, but I did not have high blood pressure. I did not have high cholesterol. And I did work out. I ate right. I had the stroke March 29th of 2018, and that was a Thursday. And the week of the stroke, I had terrible headaches. I mean, terrible headache, such a debilitating headache that I was going to bed at like 7 p.m., you know. I kept going to the doctor, and my blood pressure never got up, and they kept sending me home. You know, they didn't know what was wrong with me, and I looked terrible. Finally, that Thursday morning, I got up like I always do, and I regret not looking at myself in the mirror. I think I would have seen the signs of droopiness and stuff. I went to the restroom, but I didn't look at myself, and I still had that major headache, and I went into the kitchen to fix my coffee, and then I fell to the ground, and I laid there an hour until my husband found me. The night before, Wednesday night, my very good friend was a trauma ER nurse, and I called her, and I said, listen, I ain't right. Something's not right. I kept kind of passing in and out, like little sudden in and outs, and I'm like, I don't feel right. And she gave me a stroke test and I passed, you know, where you hold your cheeks and suck on a straw and stick your tongue out. And she gave me a stroke test and she was like, Karen, I just don't think it's a stroke. I just think you got a bad migraine and you need to go to bed. 
So that was 10 p.m. I went to bed. I think if I had looked at myself, because my husband said my left eye was droopy and my left side was droopy, I'm wondering if I had looked at myself the next morning, would I have stopped and woke him up in the bed rather than going on into the kitchen to fix my morning coffee for work? Karen's husband immediately knew that something was wrong. He said, my other eye was normal and the left eye was all the way to the left and then face drooping. And he said, I was gray and sweating and I was in the floor. And as soon as he looked at me, he knew. He was like, oh my gosh, and called 911. But I remember laying there, I could hear everything going on, but I couldn't talk. And I was temporarily paralyzed from it. I tried to inch myself over to the door. I couldn't pick up my arms. It slowly come back to me, slowly. But that was during rehabilitation, it came back. I did a week and a half in the ICU and then the regular floor at the hospital. And then they transferred me to UAB in Birmingham to the Spain Clinic, which was amazing, amazing clinic at the UAB hospital. It's a rehabilitation hospital at UAB Hospital in Birmingham, and they are like the hub for the whole world. I think that a lot of what they do for rehabilitation has gotten to other hospitals, like other hospitals use what they use because they're so good, and they have to approve every day. You know, like I remember my doctor come out and said, you're approved for two weeks, and then she wanted to keep me three more days and called to see if I was approved for that, and I wasn't. I was approved for the two weeks. But the two weeks really did help me. I mean, I did a 180. When I was in the Montgomery Hospital, when I had the stroke, that was a week and a half. I couldn't move my arms. I couldn't walk without assistance. I was swirly-headed. I had no balance. When I got to Spain in Birmingham, it's called the Spain Rehabilitation Clinic. When I got there, they had me walk in within two days. They did tough love where they just, I tried to get out of it because, you know, you just want to lay down and be lazy, but you can't do that. You know, they're like, you got to have that. You got to learn how to walk, Karen. You got to, let's go, you know, where I just wanted to watch TV. They didn't play. I did get outpatient for a month when I left. But I got more rehabilitation in the two weeks I was at Spain than I did in the outpatient in Montgomery. Like, it was that amazing there. So they did more with me. Like, I was on a schedule every day. You know, it's an inpatient hospital, so they had me on a schedule. And, you know, they didn't just let you lay around. I mean, there was people there of all types. There was a a lot of stroke victims The burn unit was there for people that were in a fire or a car wreck fire. And I mean, they just really pushed you. There was a lady and I'm sure she had been there a month, maybe two weeks. I don't know. But I watched her every day and she was only there the first week I was there and then she was leaving. But she was already walking and she was doing good. And I would get so mad watching her like it pushed me to do better at the rehabilitation because I'm very competitive. So it pushed me to be like her when I left and I was like her when I left. Karen had suffered a serious stroke, but her doctor decided not to operate. He was like, you know, if I get in there and nip your spinal cord, that's not good. That's not going to be good. You know, they were like, we want you to take it easy. And I, you know, was doing 
like trying to get back into boot camp and my neurosurgeon was like, I didn't tell you that you could do boot camp. I told you to walk, swim or bike. I didn't tell you all that. But he said, I need you to be relaxed, not stressed. And let's see if this thing can heal up on its own. So I was lazy the next six months, to be honest. I'm assuming it's gone. They've done five CT scans on me. And I had the last one six weeks ago. And he said that I had narrow veins through my vertebral, which made him, you know, Larry, he wants me on an aspirin a day now. He took me off a blood thinner. I was on a blood thinner for a long time. And he switched me to an aspirin a day. He told me, he said, I don't need to see you again. I'm going to release you. He told me not to be riding roller coasters. Don't get hit, you know, don't get hit in the head. He's like, if you're in a car wreck, get yourself to a hospital to have a CT. Because he said, you know, you've had a stroke before. They need to know that. It makes you very nervous. Like I hit my head the other day on the dryer and I was like, oh my gosh, it was just an accident. I leaned down to pick up something off the floor and leaned in front of the dryer and hit my head. And I mean, now I didn't hit my head hard, but it it just, I can tell my anxiety from it. And like, if I get like a sinus headache or whatever, once in a blue moon, my friend who I hang out with her a lot, she was, she was a nurse. I'm like, do my eyes look okay? I have a terrible anxiety about it. I learned that mayonnaise, see mayonnaise is real big in the South. People love mayonnaise, but Mayonnaise thickens the blood, and I won't eat nothing with mayonnaise in it. So you can imagine me at all Sunday dinners and at church, all these church ladies put the mayonnaise in there. I won't eat it. Like chicken salad chick is a big deal here, and it's full of mayonnaise, and I just, I can't do it. I just, and I love it. I love it. You hear me? Yes, I have to be very careful about how much mayonnaise I eat. That's an anxiety for me, especially if I go to a church function or if I go to my grandmother's, she's an old Southern cook, and she gonna put about two pints of mayonnaise in something. You know, I have to be careful. After her stroke, Karen initially found life very difficult, and it caused her a great deal of fear and anxiety. But with the help and support of her husband, and the care regime provided by the Spain Rehabilitation Center, she was able to work through those barriers. Still to come on Stroke Stories, Karen talks about the importance of maintaining strong relationships with your friends and family. I have really good people in my life, like my friends and um, my husband. They they try to let's let's move on. Let's move. You know, the stroke was a year ago. I can pick up the phone at any given moment and talk to them. And she explains how the stroke has changed her attitude towards helping others. I just feel a calling upon my life that I had never felt before, and that's to help people that were like me. I probably could have done it, but I didn't want to, and now I want to. Let's hear how Karen's workplace supported her through her stroke. I work at Willis Dental Care in Montgomery, Alabama. My bosses are amazing. I asked them where they're going to fire me from the hospital. Like, you know, you just don't know. I mean, I can't do my job, you know, so what are you going to do with me? And he was like, no, you have a, you have a good mouth. I'm going to put you on the phone. <laughs> So I'm doing clerical duties at the front desk, which I'm happy. They have been amazing. I mean, anything I need, if I need to go to the doctor, I mean, other places I've worked, you know, in the past, 
may have not been so lenient, you know, like, well, Karen, I hate the way the cards were thrown at you, you know, you know, I'm sorry, we're going to let you go. I mean, you just don't know, but they just kind of made, made a job for me and they're amazing. They've just been utterly, I'm just, I'm so blessed. I'm, I could burst. I have really good people in my life, like my friends and um, my husband, they, they try to let's, let's move on. Let's move the, you know, the stroke was a year ago. I can pick up the phone at any given moment and talk to them or say, Hey, I need something to eat. One of my friend's mothers owns a Southern restaurant down here. That's really popular. I can just call her and be like, I'm hungry. I mean, you know, they, they have supported me. Some people have faded away, but I wasn't really talking to them every day before the stroke. But my friends, I I couldn't have been through my stroke without my friends. I'll say that. They watch out for me, you know, but they won't, they don't want me to dwell on it. They know I have an anxiety about it. So like we were, Lake Martin is a big deal here in Alabama. And a friend of mine has a lake house and we were there this weekend. And even getting on the boat made me nervous about my balance. You know, if I was going to fall in the water or not. And thank God like the teenagers that were around were like, Miss Karen, we got you. We got you. Come on. You know, it's just, I was nervous about the, my balance. My husband's like, come on, Karen, you know, you got this. Let's don't dwell on it. Let's move on. You know, you got it. I think they're trying to get me over my anxiety of it. And sometimes I just can't help it. Karen has also discovered the power of social media in connecting with other stroke survivors. I know this is crazy, but I love Instagram. <laughs> and I've made friends from stroke victims on my Instagram. I've got a girl that I follow and I've asked questions to her. She is in Canada. She is called Fit Chick Stroke Survivor. And here I am all the way in South Alabama and I've kindled a friendship with her all the way. She's in she's in freaking Canada. I mean, how cool is that? But she was a nurse and she doesn't do her job anymore either. And I've just made friends with a lot of stroke survivors on Instagram and they cheer me on. I cheer them on. I've asked her questions. I had a lot of depression after my stroke and I didn't realize how normal that was. It is a very, very dark place and I'm coming out of it and I feel great now. And I've never been a depressed person. Like, that's just not me. I'm happy. I love people. And I reached out to her and I was like, hey, I'm struggling. I, I reached out to her. So, yes, I I have, you know, a good community on Instagram. And I reached out to her to see if she had that. And she was like, oh, yes, Karen, that's so normal. And I did not want to take antidepressant medications because that's just not me. I'm like, I can get over this. Let's move on. Let's move on. But I could not. And first time in my life, I could not. And so I reached out to her to see if she had taken an antidepressant, and she did. And she was willing to answer my questions. Like, she's she's been great. There's others, too, that I'm forgetting about to say. But mo- most of them have been great. You know, we support each other. The stroke has also put Karen on a mission to help as many people in similar circumstances as possible. I just feel a calling upon my life that I had never felt in, before, and that's to help people that were like me. I probably could have done it, but I didn't want to, and now I want to. Like, 
you know, if somebody needs their diaper changed at a nursing home, I think I could do it now where I couldn't do it before just because I know they need help. And I've been there. I mean, I've been in the bed where I couldn't bathe myself. I had a friend take two days off from work to come spend the night with me at the hospital in Birmingham, you know, took off work, took off pay. That's, you know, she wasn't getting paid for that. You know, I've had friends and it drove all the way to just, just to bathe me and go home. I had a friend come do my hair all the time. I had a friend take off work and stay with me two days just because I was lonely. I just want to help people more than I ever did before. That's the different Karen. I reached out to this lady who was asking for prayer for her 14-year-old nephew who had had a debilitating stroke and was on a ventilator. And I thank God every day that they didn't have to give me a trach and put me on a ventilator. I was never on a ventilator, which was an option. He was on a ventilator. I mean, he's in bad shape. And I try to keep up with him, you know, through her. She don't always have a current picture because he doesn't have an Instagram. But just seeing him laying in the bed at 14 years old, have your whole life ahead of you, and you have this stroke, and you're now you're in ICU hooked up to a ventilator, and they don't know if you're going to die or not. And now he's walking around. I mean, he's striving. He's, you know, doing good. And I reached out to her. And was like, listen, you know, I'm all the way in Alabama. I'm a stroke. You know, I did. I just, I got this huge calling to help people. And finally, Karen shares her advice for stroke survivors, their carers and their loved ones. If I had some advice, I'd say a doctor is going to tell you that every day gets better. And you think he's lying to you because I thought he's just telling me this. So I don't give up. And he was so right. Every day has gotten better support a stroke survivor big time like go see them go call them I don't know what I would do if people didn't go just text me out of the blue or that helps you so much you know if that person gets on your mind that day just shoot them a quick text that helped me along but not believing the doctor when they said Karen you're going to come through this Karen every day gets better Karen hopefully you'll walk again Karen every day gets better just trust us I did not believe them. So if they're telling you that, believe them. It's going to get better. It does. Karen's dedication to helping others is inspirational, and her emphasis on maintaining a positive outlook no matter what is essential advice for any stroke survivor. If you'd like to learn more about stroke, then please search for The Stroke Association online. Search NHS Stroke if you'd like a dedicated web page. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and rate and comment on the episodes that you hear because that really does help us spread the word. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. Listener.